Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Well, is that a weird way to start it? It's very confrontational. Well, that's my style. I mean, in a way it is because, you know, you go through this career and every meeting you take is like, oh, love you. Would love to find something to do. And then you're like, cool. When were we going to do that? And it's a lot of lip service. It's a lot of people who do love you, but you're not right for the right thing. And here we have this movie that we made on like a dollar and a prayer. Nobody wanted to be involved and we just did it. We offered the parts and we just did it. And it's so like, it's such like a Hollywood story. Like nobody would give me a chance. So I made my own. Um, And I think about how left out people feel and how left out I've felt of, you know, like cool girl ensemble comedies or comedies in general or conversations or panels, you know, sort of always teetering on the edge, kind of doing my own thing and not really fitting in. And, you know, part of the reason we do these things in this career is because you don't fit in. And that doesn't mean you're a freak or a weirdo. It's just like, I just don't fit in. And I represent, my comedy represents sort of the every girl, but like, I don't fit a mold. And that's been a challenge because I don't, I never wanted to do a career where like I just had a gig and I didn't care. Unfortunately, because of comedy, I didn't have to take anything I didn't want. But I was thinking about it this morning. You know, you feel so jealous. Like you're like, oh my God, let me in. Include me. I want to be at your table read. Like I want to get this part. Just give me a part. But the truth is, it's not up to other people to let you in. It's up to you to like unlock that door for yourself. I didn't want to get too heavy with the metaphor. Like it's up for you to like form your own key. This is already so heavy, very genuine, but so heavy in terms of like, you have a hit movie and we're going to talk about it. I and that's know. really exciting. You guys, number three. It's number three. The people that wrote in the movie, in case you haven't said, is good on paper. It's now streaming on Netflix. Right. This has been about good on paper. <laughs> this has been about good on we're paper. We're calling the episode good on paper. Okay. So the people that have written to you and you've told me all the people that have written to you and said they watched it 
more than once, that they watched it the day it came out, that they like saw themselves. The number of people that told you that they were like proud, that they were yes. excited because they've been with you on this yes. journey and, and to see, because you've been in movies, but this is wholly your own, that you have created, that you built from the ground up, that you wrote, that you had such a big hand and you produced it. Yes. And people are just excited for you. And that's like, that's not something that happens all the time. It isn't. And there's always, you know, I always have said, like, I'm nowhere like without my fans. And I think it's the harder earned and fought for a career is like the more you realize, like it really is about your public opinion. Like you can get your own little cult following and you can have a career or you can be a mega movie star and get a big break early on and never really have a concept about like how much uh, the fans are involved. But I've seen it on a granular level from the letters they write me, from the gifts that they make at the show's um, and the interactions, and I've been, it's been so like boots on the ground from the beginning. Yeah. And so it doesn't escape me for a second that like this movie is a hit because of the fans and mm-hmm. my friends and people who are, people who you've met only once or twice that it turns out they are fans that you never yeah. talk to. Like you cannot buy this kind of press. You can make something and hope your friends tweet about it and hope other celebrities. Tweet about it. This is because of you guys. That's it. You don't get a movie like this. You know, you can get a critically acclaimed, like, indie kind of thing that on the coast is beloved, but people saw this in Iowa. Yes, yeah, and it's not just the lovely listeners of this podcast, although you are all very appreciated. It's random people. It's people that it's, you told about it. Also, it's like, it, people that were, would have me on their platform, like mm-hmm. a Joe Rogan or Rob Lowe or, you know, Margaret went on The View and I went on The Talk. You know, people who were willing, Jimmy Kimmel, Big people and, you know, I don't want to say smaller, but, you know, smaller podcasts and media outlets and all the writers that said, yeah, I'm going to cover this before it's big. Yeah. You know, it's, it's easy to want to talk to someone once the movie's a hit, like once they've proven it. Yeah. But Rolling Stone, like Vanity Fair, like all these people the that said yes ahead of time, The Atlantic, AP that blasted it out, like you wait your whole career for big press to say yes to you. Yeah. I remember a conversation once, I'm not going to say the name, with a booker of a specific late night show. And we were like, can she do panel? Panel is when you sit on the couch, not like do stand up. And he like laughed and he's like, she's not big enough for that. Like he was right, but it's also like, okay, there's nicer ways to say it. <laughs> well, even all the like lovely people, you know, you did when, when you have a big movie, you do a day of press. So you go and you sit and usually it used to be in person and they would walk in interview after interview, after interview, after interview. Yeah. And this, you know, right now it was via zoom. Well, also, and you talked to person after person after person for all like from, eight hours, for eight hours, all from different backgrounds, different types of movie we did review every, sites, different types, every of- piece of press we could get. And it was cool to see them again because I met them at Spencer Confidential. Yeah. And like you create, like just because somebody is a writer of a blog doesn't mean in three years they won't be writing for something else. So like having that respect and giving people, doing favors, you know, like whether it's a friend that has a movie podcast, like, would you come on? Like just being cool to people and giving them chances because I only ever wanted a chance and I never fucking got it. Yeah, and to to experience, you know, through you that kind of like speed dating of you talking to all those people who don't necessarily have that sort of stake in you, but who watched the movie and enjoyed it and wanted to talk about it. Yeah. It was like very cool. That's the other thing. Like people liked it and they may not have known me, but they liked that movie. Mm-hmm. So I'll take it however I can get it. Um, and so, and I only read the good press. I saw a couple headlines where <laughs> I was just like, this headline is so angry. Like they clearly hate me, which is, weird. Um, but anyway, so this is a big thank you 
Yes. We've arranged for you all to get free mattresses. <laughs> Everyone gets free mattresses and free shampoo. So we took questions about the movie. We got so many, guys. We really, we cannot get to all of them. Hundreds of questions about this movie, which was so exciting. Um, a lot of a lot of things that double up. So we're going to, you know, we're going to hit everything that we can. Double but up. I think the first question that several people asked, but we're going to take it from Tracy underscore underscore T24. So, you know, last week, you had talked about there being two Easter eggs. One was the Blanche. Snip it. So Tracy says, what was the second Easter egg in the movie? Was it the mention of baby arms in the car scene when they're sitting outside Dennis's alleged Beverly Hills home, mm. which a lot of people DM'd me about this. A lot mm-hmm. of people wrote in about this. Now, Tracy was the only one I saw who said, or was it lip? as an answer for the crossword puzzle on the plane. I loved seeing the Blanche Easter egg in the first few minutes of the movie. Okay, here's the truth. And this might speak, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't the director, but as a filmmaker, this might speak to my lack of detail. Um, At the time, I put lip in as a nod to Blanche, but when I dropped the hint about the Easter egg, I was actually only remembering the Blanche splice that we'd put in. Baby arms is just something that I say in general, but I That's think- what I, People are like, it's such a nice tribute to you, Emily. And I'm like, I think she just says that phrase. I, but it was on my mind because I call you that. Yeah. So we can say those three, but <laughs> lip was intended, but the Blanche Splice was my big fight club moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So we have a lot of people asking- how much of the movie is real? Okay. So can you give us the quick, the quick and dirty, like... <laughs> I'll, I'll get granular. Okay. Here's what is real. Pretty much everything up until he gets super drunk is real. Okay. Uh, in one form or another. The the plane is real. Saying that he went to Yale is real. Um, lying about cancer is real. Uh, in real life, I met his mother. But we didn't have time. You know, you only have so much time in a movie. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't put that in. In real life, I think there was a ring that was spoken about, but I was never given a dick ring. I just wrote that scene because I thought it was really funny. Uh, the Cartier bracelet, weird lie, that was real. Um, talking incessantly about Yale and being on the golf team, that's real. He did meet my cousin, Brett, who is really named Brett. Sorry, Brett, I didn't change your name. I think you're okay. Uh, in real life. Um those things are all real. The house not being his was real. Going up to another house that I and meeting other girls there that turned out to be his roommates slash friends, that's real. Buying him Baccarat glasses, which I, because his dad was dead. I was like, I bought these, you know, to remind you of your dad. That was real. Um, And then there's stuff that we didn't put in, like him saying he was a member of Skull and Bones and, off, and saying I, he wanted to take me to his reunion. Uh, saying... And I also didn't put in the movie because it's this tricky thing when you're a girl. I remember the first time I told that, the horrible, we were also at a different place in our society, the backlash. They're like, well, you're just a gold digger. So it's either a girl, you're either a a dead whore or a gold digger. Like there's no nuance. Um, But I was like, oh, I need to control this because that's why I made Andrea like successful enough. Like I wanted to make it clear that like she didn't need him in real life. It's hard for as a girl to be like, he spent money on me without it sounding like you were wanting it. This wasn't like that. This was went out of his way to demonstrate how much money he had, even though I didn't ask for it. In real life, uh, he took me to the airport once and he bought a ticket, probably like a cheap ticket to San Francisco so he could walk through TSA with me, mm. which is romantic if you're attracted to the person. Yeah. In real life, uh, I went with Mark Ellis. We did a gig in the Middle East 
and to get home from Qatar. Shocker, it's not a direct flight to LAX. We had to fly through Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. He flew to Amsterdam for our 24-hour layover. And I got I ended up getting like kind of out of my mind because weed is very legal in Amsterdam. And I had to go to bed. So he had to like hang out with Mark the whole time, which is probably like not what he wanted to do. Yeah. But I remember he was like, hey, I got you and Mark like lounge passes for your way home. I'm like, that's cool because he allegedly flew a lot. Right, so it theoretically would just be something he had access to exactly. without any trouble. And we, we were flying home on different airlines. So, and why would, why we were flying home on different airlines, I don't know. Like, you know, my return flight, he probably was like sitting coach and didn't want me to know, which is not embarrassing if you're not a liar. Yeah. Um. And so we went to the lounge and I was like, hi. And I gave them my name. They're like, we don't have any record for this. What are you talking about? And he was just like, I did it. I don't know why, you know? Mm. So little things like that. I remember in real life, I had a birthday party and he offered to pay for it, which is not weird if you have a boyfriend to be like, yeah, I'm going to pay for your drinks or whatever. And at the end of the night, the bill came or whatever we owed the bar. Cause you say, when you rent out the top of like a bar, you, you say, okay, we'll spend this much money in drinks. Cause we're yeah. inviting people. And there was a balance. And I remember him having like a, an emotional breakdown because it couldn't, and I didn't understand so like what the big deal was. Yeah. It was like $1,500, which, which is a lot to some people, but also like if you're spending money like that, like what's the big if, deal? If you're offering to cover an entire party, $1,500 is not like but crazy. I think it just goes to show you like how this person did never think about the future and was like, I'll just figure it out. Uh -huh. Um, There's like so many other things that are like coming to mind now, like tiny little things. Uh -huh. Anyway. Um, there was a lot of stuff we didn't put in. Oh, there was... I'm busy. And this time of year gets even busier. I've had my baby. I'm back to work. I'm at meetings. I'm on tour. I'm running around. And I don't always have time to sit down for a meal with my family. Sometimes I get home from set so late and I just need to eat something nutritious and go to bed. And that's why I like Factors Fresh Never Frozen Meals because they're dietitian approved and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy I am, and I'm busy, I always have time to get a nutritious, great tasting meal. Factor has over 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. So I never get bored. I'm trying to do less meat in general and they have wonderful vegan and veggie options. I just made a vegan mushroom marsala and I made an onion risotto. Just because you're eating vegetarian doesn't mean you can't eat deliciously. It had roasted garlic green beans. It was scrumptious. Head to factormeals.com slash Eliza50 and use code Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Eliza50 at factormeals.com slash Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. I do think there's something to be said for ordering something of quality and every once in a while getting a nice package in the mail with a product that you're going to own for a long time. Let me tell you about Bolin Branch's signature sheets because they're the perfect way to start upgrading your sleep, your room, the look of your room because they're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They are made with the finest 100% organic cotton. These sheets feel buttery soft yet super breathable and they're perfect for warmer summer months ahead. We have a house that we go to in the summer and I got all Bolin Branch sheets for the beds because we're having a lot of guests this year and I want them to feel like they're at a nice bed and breakfast that they didn't have to pay for. Bolin Branch sheets are free from toxins like synthetic pesticides, formaldehyde. I bet you didn't know that was in your sheets. And their signature sheets come in 14 versatile colors and they come in sizes from twin all the way up to California King. And Bolin Branch has a 30-night worry-free guarantee, which means you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them for any reason, 
reason, you can send them right back with free returns on all U.S. orders. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bowl & Branch. Go to bowlandbranch.com slash Eliza for 15% off your first sheet set, plus free shipping. That's Bowl & Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com slash Eliza for 15% off. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Well, it's finally happening. The weather is finally getting warmer. So it's time to say goodbye to the jackets and cozy sweaters we've been hibernating in all winter. And it's time to say hello, bonjour, to shorts and t-shirts. And if you've been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. I talk about Quince a lot because I really believe in a sustainable capsule wardrobe. And there's no reason you can't have a sustainable, timeless wardrobe for every season. And Quince has got you covered with premium linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable, silk tops, hello. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Dressing well shouldn't break the bank. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Look well. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Eliza for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza. Somebody asked specifically, was the cancer slash back roller coaster made up for the movie or was that a real lie he tried to spin? The back thing I just thought was funny, but he did say that his mom had cancer. The cancer thing is real, yeah. Uh, And in real life, I did meet her. And uh, it was after he and I had started dating and he was like, I'm going to meet her. You know, she's got cancer. So I never said to her, hey, how's your cancer? What's up with that cancer? It's so indelicate. And you can look like anything if you have cancer. You can look fine. You can look sick. And, you know, she wasn't like an attractive woman. So it wasn't like I had a, a way to gauge if she was looking okay. Mm-hmm. We only talked for like a half hour, but, you know, I did meet her because mm-hmm. I just wanted her to know that her son would be with someone who was nice. Um, trying to think of other things, but there were a lot of like looking back, like creepy, weird lies. I never met his friends, which is a common thread. A lot of people have written in like, oh my God, like I actually married my Dennis Kelly or I dated a guy like this. I met his friends on like FaceTime who probably were his friends in like another state. Yeah. Uh, and I met them once in real life when I had to go to another state for work and he so happened to have a business trip there. Ew. So he also went, yeah. Um, said he had like a house in Hawaii. And I think the mom at some point said something like, oh, he's always telling people that we have a house in Hawaii. Like- Oh, it's so weird. And in real life, my best friend did call the mom after it was all said and done to be like, we just want you to know that your son is oh, is doing this or something wrong with him. And she yeah, was like, well, that you're involved in he it. has, uh, Eliza has drug issues. And Dennis just tries to, you know, was trying to be there for her and support her, but she's a failing actress with a drug problem. Like that's how he had set it up. And I was like, good riddance. Yeah. Uh, the other question you got. Wait, so- one more. Okay. A friend of mine recently texted me. She goes, yeah, we had dinner with this guy. We were all friends and she goes, he told me that you had a drug problem and that we should stage an intervention. And what's creepy about that is I'm like, that's you trying to separate me from my friends and family. Yeah. Like an intervention in what? I should hand over my assets to you, trying to set it up like I'm crazy. I have a drug problem. Yeah. Meanwhile, homeboy one time gave me a bag of Xanax bars in a Tiffany's pouch. And I'd like never had Xanax before. He was like, here you go. Uh Uh-huh. Happy birthday. I, I was just like, cool. Thanks. 
That's so creepy to like put it in a luxury. Like, would you pry a ring off Where a dead woman's it? finger? Yeah. yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Anywho. The other question you got so much, hundreds of times from everyone is, who is Serena Halstead based on? Tell us. Okay. Ready? Mm-hmm. Turn up your volume. <laughs> Beyonce. <laughs> she steals my light. She stole my career. Um, Christina Halstead is not... <laughs> Who's Christina Halstead? Serena Halstead. Serena Halstead, sorry. Uh, oh my God, it's Christina Applegate. Uh, is <laughs> less of one person and more of the embodiment of a feeling. Mm-hmm. She represents in any career how there's always that person of the moment you get compared to or the person that you just can't not see or the person that seems to be getting everything. And I know that this is the way a lot of actors feel because we all talk about it everybody's got their nemesis. And usually that nemesis is not your nemesis and they don't know it. And I want to be very clear with Serena being very pure. I'm probably a lot of people's Serena Halsteads, you know? The more successful you get, the more you realize like it doesn't work like that. It's not that one person. But she was more me just venting about how sometimes you're just like, get this fucking person out of my face. I don't think they're that great. Yeah, there. it's one of those things where you'll see in interviews, certain people always get brought up to other people. And it's like, why don't we just talk about the thing that I'm here to talk about? Why do I need to give, like, it's that TMZ thing of like, what's your take on so-and-so? Well, it's funny too, because I always thought it was so personal. They bring up another actress, another comic, male or female. But then I started reading other people's interviews, like other actresses or actors or writers or musicians. Yeah. Everybody, because writers can be lazy. They're like, well, what about this person? Do you Mm -hmm. admire this person? Is this person, you know, and you're like, I don't know. We're pretty. Or that, yeah, that thing know. of like, who would you, who's your dream to work with? It's like, exactly. I'm Amy Adams, I've worked, if I've wanted to Do work with the someone, fuck I've I worked want. with them. So it was just that. It just was an embodiment of that exhaustion mm-hmm. of comparing. Yeah. I think she is more of just an overall. Also, it was Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama. What? I'm just your being arch honest. Nemesis. Just being honest about <laughs> okay. competition. Samantha underscore Marie underscore 95. Hi there. Were you a part of casting? How did you decide on who to play your crazy boyfriend? What stood out about Ryan for this role? You know, the casting we had brought on my friend Bonnie Zane, who's cast shows like Suits and like done a lot of cast. And she really did us a favor Mm because we had like no money for this. This was less about reading. I think Ryan was brought on maybe before Bonnie. I can't remember. Because Kimmy brought Ryan, right? Kimmy had the idea. I had never heard of Ryan. And you know, I I immediately said, I'm in love with him, please. Right. And I was like, okay, you said that about everyone, male <laughs> and female. He, I do have his an autograph poster of his from before he did your movie on my wall. Oh, cool. <laughs> That's cool. Um, and I remember looking at him and I was like, you know, he's not ugly. That's the best compliment I can he's give you. He's very good looking. And this doesn't work if he's handsome. Then it's a different movie. Then it's like, she's just too blind to see that he was hot Chris Pratt all along. Yeah. Um, But Ryan, you know, part of it was, it's really hard to get people to be in your movie, hard to get actors to read. And Ryan was uh, an actor who had, you know, a seasoned actor and he wanted to do it. And that is such a huge thing, getting someone who's passionate about it. Day one, he was like, I got a tooth guy. I'm going to dye my hair, wear these fake teeth. I'm going to pad my suit. Like he was very down for the ride. And so we just sort of, he and we molded him into what we wanted. He was great about the notes. Mm -hmm. You know, I had the source material. Like I lived through this. I knew exactly what the guy looked like. So- the actors are always going to be better looking than the people in real life, except for in my case, same face. Um, 
But that's how we got he, Ryan. He is like an actor, actor. He's been in, you go back and you watch old comedies and he's there with a baby face. Like he yeah. has been just in comedy for so long. So it was interesting to see him do this sort of like creep role. And you don't get a lot of leading men types who want to play creeps. Mm. And so it was a blessing that he wanted to do it. And he was delightful to work with. He really made being on, I look forward to seeing him every day. Yeah, he's a joy. Uh, the other casting question that you got a lot is, uh, Ray Few Kinderfurler. This movie should come with a might die from laughter disclaimer. The chemistry on screen between you and Margaret was impressive. I'm pretty sure I died from laughing, came back to almost die again. All right, all right. Don't recommend watching it in a recliner for that reason. So you got a lot of comments about Margaret Cho. And I loved personally, Emily, seeing the number of interviewers uh, and people you spoke to about this movie who keyed in on that female friendship being such an important part of the movie. So let's give let's give the rundown of how Margaret Cho came to be a part of it. Margaret Cho was another suggestion. And I feel like that was a suggestion early on. The character was always queer, but I remember wanting her to be gay, but that's not a punchline. And it, I wanted her storyline and her like C story of like the girl that she had a crush on to be just as fluid and normal as if it were a guy and a girl. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't want to make a meal of it because I think that's the way to do diversity is like, it's just normal. Yeah. Versus like, this is my token Asian friend. She's, Asian jokes, gay jokes. She's funny because she's like a survivalist. Like, she's also that's a comic, funny. so you're not going to pull any <laughs> shitty joke punches with her. No. Um, the survivalist, I was like, it was just all in my head. Like, I was, I like the idea of having a character tougher than I am to kind of soften me. Um, and she was just very cool about all the lines. She showed up. She was ready to go. She was easy to work with. Uh, but I thought she was just the perfect fit. I thought she she just made it. We are an, a different enough, and the character was different enough for me that it provided a nice contrast. Yeah. And uh, how did your real friends, Michelle and your mom, et cetera, feel about, were they excited? Michelle... And her wife, super pumped, huge Margaret Cho fans. I was like, how's it feel to like see yourself play Margaret Cho? My mom like loves the movie for so many reasons. My mother is the main, she provided all the intelligence for Margaret's character, not like in the military way because she was like a little like horny for like special ops missions in this movie. But my mom in real life is the one that called the Yale uh, yearbook Uh to see if this guy had worked there. My mom was the one that started cracking the code. You know, we were friends for a year Nobody's really looking into your friends, but then it's like, oh, you're dating my daughter, like my most precious thing. Like I'm going to have questions. Um, And so, you know, a big part of the story is, uh, the other thing is this, the moment that Margaret and I have, we're on the street and, and I'm screaming, I wanted to keep it as quick as possible because I get so, this is where women turn on other women. When you have that woman that's like, you just don't want me to be happy. You're just jealous, which is, Sometimes applicable, but clearly not her intention in this. I didn't want to have that fake moment. I didn't want to have her like, I'm not listening to my friends or family. They don't get us. Like, that's a dumb bitch. Uh, This was me like slowly giving this information and trying to wrap my mind around it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wanted our blow up to be quick and resolve it very quickly and get back to like, I love you. I love you. Let's figure this out. Yeah. Because in real life, I would never scream at a friend, you don't want me to be happy. When that, I they wouldn't about, be my friend. Yeah, when I, th- when I think about friendships that I've had, it's like there are times when I'm annoyed, there are times when we have words, but I'm never having blow up, like drag outs with friends. It's, it's just, you- it just gives women a bad rap. And in writing this, I just wanted to be as realistic and honest about those friendships as possible. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, let's get into the Kimmy Gatewood of it all because Gabby LaCoganata says, first of all, I loved this movie. A lot of you just wrote in to say you loved it. Thank, Thank you. I found myself very proud of your work, even though I've never met you. Thank you. I love when people say that. It makes me feel so warm. Was it difficult to take direction on a script you wrote for a story so personal? Uh, That's a great question. And I think it depends on your director. I think it also depends on like, as an executive producer and writer of this, I was never going to pick a director who was like, this is the vision. This is how it's delivered. Do it. You know, this is Kimmy's first time directing a movie also. So it was super collaborative. Yeah. And because I had lived it, I think she was very graceful in accepting, like, um, like there are certain non-negotiable things. That being said, you know, it was nice to not have to mentally carry the load of pushing this forward, as I do with every fucking other thing in my career. Mm-hmm. So there were days where I would just look at her and I'd be like, how do I say this? Like, I cannot remember how to say this line. Yeah. She'd be like, here's a pitch. And then you do it a couple of times. So she, it was very collaborative. And she really respected me and the story and the material. She wasn't, like, trying to shove a narrative down someone's throat. No, and I think she brought, like, a good— because she comes from sort of a more improv world, she brought that perspective and that kind of— because that's kind of what you trend towards in your writing is the more realistic— We didn't really do a lot of improv in this movie, though. No, but I think that realistic, like, how people would actually talk to each other, like, not heightened for the sake of it, I think that there is something to that that she brought. She, by the way, is right now, I think, three things she's directed. Three TV shows are up for Emmys, so— uh, Good on Paper, though, was such a great collaboration. And she brought a lot of the supporting people who I adored. I think, too, it's like this thing where so much of your career is like, yes, whatever they want, let's just do it. Whatever the producers want. And, like, this was a chance. Like, look, the stakes were very low. We made this for almost no money. I have high hopes for things that I do. But realistically, it's like I thought they were going to air this, like, on Apple Watches <laughs> only and in the back of cabs on those little TVs. And so it was – there's – it was all the more reason to be like, no, I'm going to do it this way. No, Andrea wouldn't do that. She would do it this way. She's not, you know, we kind of, I, I didn't want to make her this like kick-ass rock star bitch who's flipping off everyone. I'm like, that's not who I am. Kimmy's very like that. She's like, women, kick-ass. And so we had to like, like I allowed Andrea to flip off the billboard once. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but I don't want to do it again. And she was like, okay. Like it was very, she was very pro-woman, pro-me, mm-hmm. very protective in a in a good way. So- And everybody, I think, brought, everybody was there because they wanted to be there. Not to say that they weren't the best person for the job. I think you got a phenomenal cast, phenomenal. Like, the crew was wonderful. Your editor was wonderful. It really was. Like, nobody was getting rich off of this. This Mm -mm. was people read the script. They were like, I'd like to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the parts were given to our friends. Like, this was also, like, you're going to be grateful if you're there as a friend because you're happy for the gig. But, like, every even our catering You know, we had, like, no money, and it was phenomenal catering. Like, everybody really stepped up. Yeah. And uh, I think that's what you get when you have, when you're actually making art versus you're just there for a paycheck. Yeah, and I think from beginning end, like, Kyla Plews, is that you say your last name? I only, yeah, the the editor. Kyla was the editor, and you were with her just in a room for days, just putting it together. Like, everyone did. Nobody was just clocking in. Nobody was just clocking in. Uh, and it was such a fun environment. I would stop said, by on occasion and steal your snacks. I'd love to do a movie where I just clock in. <laughs> I mean, yeah, for sure. Go do like a big budget, whatever. Give me that network cash too. Get that Marvel money. But I think this movie is a success partly because you can tell that it was like everyone has their heart in it. Okay. K. Can Pratt. How did you come up with the characters' names? It seems like it would be especially difficult to do when they represent actual people in your life. It is difficult. Um, They kind of just come to me. 
I, I just thought an M is a strong name, Margot. And then we happened to, she was Margot. And then we happened to get Margaret Cho. Mm-hmm. Um, though Andrea, this honestly, when I was writing this, I was also on the set of Instant Family. And Sean Anders, who's the director, his sister, Andrea, was super nice to me on set. Andrea Anders <laughs> is so funny. She was in the show Better Off Ted. She is phenomenal. And she was super, she was just nice. And we were in some scenes together and we would just chat. Yeah. And I was like, that's a good all-American name. We'll go with Andrea. And so I just picked it because she was near me. And I was like, that one doesn't bother me. I don't know any bad. I don't know any Andreas. (laughs) Serena, I was like, that's just that name. Like, I know we all think of Serena Williams, but like Serena is just like impossibly perfect. And Halstead, like it had to be like a strong, like vaguely Nordic Americana, like name. It's no secret that fast fashion and the demand for fashion in general is helping to wreck our planet while introducing Newly. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month, access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands with inclusive sizing, and they have fast free shipping and returns and professional cleaning in Newly's state-of-the-art laundering facility, plus the option to buy what you love. I gifted Newly to a friend whose daughter works in an office where you have to be presentable, and it's trendy. She gets to try out stuff. She always looks fresh at work. She always looks cute. And when she's done with it, which we usually are after wearing something for a while, she can send it right back. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code ELIZA20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's. And enter the code ELIZA20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com. Newly with two U's with code ELIZA20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It happened to me. I didn't think it would, but it happened to me. I had a nasty bout of postpartum depression. Now, there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about what you're dealing with, and there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about it with someone. I definitely saw a therapist these last couple weeks because, you know, I spend my time giving advice to others, but I could use a little advice myself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I'll tell you what, when you're already stressed or anxious, the last thing you want to do is battle traffic and sit in a waiting room and get your parking validated. I'm sorry, is that just an LA thing? You don't need to add all that. You can just sit in the comfort of your own home or a chair you like outside and you can talk to someone from BetterHelp. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time. No additional charge and it doesn't hurt their feelings. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Eliza today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Eliza. Well, and I know in um in in talking about the movie, you've occasionally said that there's like a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood twist. And I was wondering, did you know Rebecca Rittenhouse is in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I maybe I haven't <laughs> seen it in a while. And also that twist I wrote before that movie totally, came out. Yeah, absolutely. But, but, but that's just, the bigger movie. That's like the vibe. Um, and the Dennis Kelly name, we were just trying to think of a name that like you don't hear a lot, but like maybe you wouldn't trust. And there's a bunch of those and mm-hmm. You know, you obviously can't use the name, and I didn't want to use a letter from that person's name. I didn't want to hint to that person's name. So no. we just you had to make it an easy name. Like, it couldn't be a weird last name. Like, just something that you could say, like Dennis Kelly. Mm-hmm. Easy name. You know how to spell it. And, mm-hmm. uh, like, what's a Dennis? 
Kelly Pantier says, did you warn your ex that you were making a movie about your relationship? Fuck or no. did you figure that wasn't necessary since no one knows who he is? I wish I knew what parts are true and what was fictionalized. Great movie. You and Margaret are a hilarious duo. You only warn people that you care about. Yes. You only warn someone to show respect. You know, like I remember when I wrote Girl Logic, I happened to run into one of the male comics who was shitty to me. And I was like, hey man, like I know you think we've squashed everything and I'm giving you the respect of knowing like, this is in my book. Did you name him? No. Okay. But I was like, just so you know, like that's going to be out there. And he's like, okay, I appreciate it. Like whatever. But, you know, I was just trying to show a little bit of respect. Like, hey, like, you know, yeah. we don't go after each other, but this is my story. You did this to me and I will be talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's the only upside to something bad happening to you is that it is yours to do with what you will. So this movie, I think reaching out is also that would be taken as like, hey, just seeing how you're doing. I could, I would be, I will be fine the rest of my life never seeing or thinking about this person again. Well, yeah, that was the other question you got asked a lot. Has he reached out? Has he seen it? Has he said anything to you? No, but uh, we haven't spoken. The last time we exchanged anything was months after this had all happened in real life. I went to a wedding and it was, out of the country and there was like a nude beach and I went with some friends to the beach and we took a picture on the beach and my friends have their hands in front of me. Like my arms are in the air and I'm naked, whatever. And I put it online because that's what girls do uh, when they're single and young and who fucking cares. And he sent me an email and he was like, I thought it was extremely pointed that you posted that picture and friends emailed me. Like as if my behavior had been deplorable at a nude beach in a foreign country with my friends. Why would that have anything to do with someone you were no longer dating? It wouldn't. That's how narcissistic and insane this person is. And rather than be like, sorry, I just unleashed. I probably have the email on like somewhere. And I was just- cleaned out your inbox for space reasons. Okay, good. I was just like, (laughs) you're a fucking psychopath. How dare you email? Like I just unleashed. I don't think he saw that coming. Never wrote back to me. (laughs) I have had people reach out who- because this took place in LA, like friends of friends who knew this person Mm -hmm. or other people who have dated him to be like, hey, I actually dated him. And I can't respond to that because you never know who you're talking to. No. You know? No. But one person reached out recently and they mentioned a bar that I know for a fact he went to. And she was like, he would come in and talk about dating you, like even before you were dating, like super creepy shit. And she was like, and all the lies you, that he told you, he told me as well. So- (laughs) At least he tried to keep it consistent, but um, I am currently dating Chris Hemsworth. Just in case anyone asks, just if somebody could let him know. So it's while it's sad that this happens to people, to people, what's super affirming is the amount. I'm talking thousands of DMs of people like, oh my god, I dated a Dennis Kelly. I married my Dennis Kelly. I had kids with my Dennis Kelly. Men and women being like, this happened. My roommate lied about cancer. My boyfriend, my girlfriend lied about cancer. Um. The cancer thing's big. Lying about where you went to school and what you do. And usually there's like some malintent, like they're trying to get money out of you or get something. Who knows how far that would have gone, but it's definitely a thing that nobody talks about because they're embarrassed. But if it Mm -hmm. happened to you, don't feel bad. Mm -mm. Happens to literally almost everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Your kitten me says, hey guys, is the scene of you being heckled outside of the comedy store common when leaving a show? I have to imagine that was based on a semi-real life scenario. Love to you, Emily and Snow Peach. See you at Apple Fest in New York. Lafayette, New York. Look, I like what I like. And if I like you, I'm going to jam you into what I do. Adam Ray was very funny in that scene. That, it's not so much that specific scene as much as it was sort of commentary on 
the way you can get treated uh, after a show. And it's usually people, and this is more like earlier in your career, you know, because now I leave like out of a black car, <laughs> out of the back of the theater, but um, it's really more just drunk people who will say things that they don't realize are rude. Here's one for you. We were playing, I think it was Alabama. No, I'm sorry, it was Brea. And, you know, people get in their seats. I did like a couple shows at the Bray Improv and people get in their seats and they're like, hey, here to see Eliza Schlesinger. And it's like, her, you know, you and your date and they clink glasses and people tag you. Well, when you tag someone, there's a chance they could see it. I don't think people make that equation. I, I know, but it's like, if I tag someone, it's because I want, if I'm right. saying something even vaguely sarcastic or like I'm them. trying to be funny about some dumb, trashy movie, yeah. I'm not going to tag the person in the movie. I so this person, this, this is just giving you an example of how people, I don't think realize how, like comics are still people too, especially if I've done nothing to hurt you and you're here to laugh. And she just wrote, takes a picture of her husband. She goes, my husband hates Eliza Schlesinger, but we're here to see her anyway. And I'm like, you tagged me to let me know your husband hates me? <laughs> I do also really want to say you don't see everything you're tagged in. I definitely you don't. to see I was this. sitting in the room and I wanted to write back jokes on you. I have your money. <laughs> or like your husband's a little bitch. But like, that, that is, like, what she meant was like, husband's not really a fan, but I am, which yeah. is fine. Also doesn't need to be said. Yeah. But like people don't realize how they come across. Like, yeah. Or people are like, I had never heard of you. You're like, okay, don't yeah. need to know that. But what they mean to say is, and I'm so glad I did. Right. So him saying that like pretty funny for a girl is just a drunk guy wanting your attention. And that's all it normally comes down to. Mm-hmm. All of the negative comments are always from dudes who are negging. And I'm like, cool. Is it 2005? We don't do this anymore. So I'm pretty impervious to it because I'm like, you're either trying to flirt with me or if it's on a separate form and you say something shitty, like you're entitled to your opinion. I don't fucking care. Yeah. Because we're number three in the country. I don't Netflix, which means the country. Tiff Tovar Burns says, thanks for introducing me to Bonnie times Clyde. Perfect song choice. Now, I remember you guys were trying to pick the perfect song. Yeah. And you wound up with this Bonnie and Clyde song. Like, you know, in terms of choosing music for the movie, how involved were you? Uh, incredibly involved. So some of the music is just scored like it's just kind of ambient. Like it's just back there, just like and the score. You just yeah. need it to be to move the movie along. You know, whether it's a fast song or sad or happy, whatever. But you know, you can pick where your needle drops are for expensive songs where you're going to spend money. And we really wanted that Bonnie. I don't even know if it's Times Clyde or Anne Clyde collab with X Clyde. Clyde. Bonnie X Clyde. I just this. I love EDM, and the second I heard that, I was like, "This is the song." I would like rewrite that scene to that song. We had it between that and another song. And we were going back and forth and I was like, let's go with the original one. The one at the beginning, I actually really love. Um, it's called like Watch Out. It's during the montage at the beginning. Like, watch out, it isn't here Watch out, it isn't more of the same. Uh, I felt like the lyrics kind of- Watch Out by Clinton Gore. Yeah, I like that song. So yeah. we were specific about certain ones, um, but music is very expensive. But the Bonnie and Clyde one, and people have written to me, they like it. So I'm, I hope they get a shout out. I hope they- like yeah. that we used it. Yeah. yeah, it's very cool. Mally Cole, are the clips in the beginning of the movie actual clips from your show? And more importantly, is that NY Fred for you in the background of one of them? That's so funny. It's not. It's my it's my <laughs> half-brother who is wearing like a sort of like zip-up tennis pulley thing. And I think it looks like my dad. Um, but it's your half-brother, your dad's child, yes. right? Okay. But so I don't think you see his face. But he has a, sh- a Schlesinger body Schlesinger shape. Schlesinger body shape. Um, 
Or it could be my dad, but I'm pretty sure it's my brother. Um, Yeah, that just kind of gives you an idea of like the budget we had. We had decided to put that in while we were editing. Mm -hmm. So that was going back. Like the movie is shot and it's Mm -hmm. like, we'd like to have this. So I went out with my phone Mm -hmm. um, and I staged like a couple of clips. Like Noah and I went to Greenblatt's and I was like, just film me as if I'm writing and eating by myself, like writing jokes. I got, I went to the green room of the belly room and there was just a random comic there I'd never met. I was like, hey man, just have a conversation with me like we know each other. It's just me and this dude sitting in that room with all the green on the, all the green leaves on the wallpaper. And then a lot of it was like going through footage to kind of like piece together this narrative of shows. We couldn't show the scope of theaters because if Andrea's playing big theaters, we didn't want her to be as successful as I am. No. So just like a couple notches below, but like so- we did a lot of close-ups of her on the stage, like giving context for her job. She's not an open micer. She's not a struggling comic. It's like me a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And then just like footage of parties with friends. But yeah, we took the phone to this comedy store one night. We filmed me with drinks. We just filmed a lot of extra stuff. I feel like now the movie's out, I can finally delete the Dropbox that had all those files. Totally. It's taken up space. <laughs> so some of it was native footage that I had, and then some of it was footage we shot in one night. Mm-hmm. Okay. On my phone. Yeah. That's that's where we were. Molly Cole also says, Andrea learns to get out of her own head by the end of the movie and see things slash people around her from a more realistic view. What's your best advice on getting out of your own head without having a traumatic relationship? Love the movie and the Blanche Easter egg. Without having a traumatic relationship? Yeah, so how do you, do you think you have to go through some sort of trauma to change your worldview in that way? Or is there- No, because if you really think about it, like the trauma helped her get to that place with Serena, but that was more of her conversation with Margot, being like, you're so salty about everything and Serena doesn't even sweat you. Just kind of thinking about all the energy you're putting toward disliking someone and thinking that they're in your way is not energy that they're putting toward thinking about you. Mm-hmm. They're putting in their 10,000 hours to do something else. Um, and so it's just, you know, I didn't want her to get a lesson in love because that's a lesson I would learn again. Like I'd rather be someone with an open heart than like suspicious and blocked off, which is what you get with a lot of female characters. It's like, she doesn't know how to love. It's like, I guarantee she did. And someone did something horrible to her. So I didn't want her lessons to come from him. Um, But I do think it's that conversation that she and Serena have in the doorway where she's like, well, you were off becoming you. I was off becoming Serena Halstead. Like, as hard as it is to swallow and as much as it bothers me at times, like we all really do have our own path and you just have to realize that yours is going to be yours. You yeah. were never owed anything. That's yeah. the thing that I always say, like, you know, with comics, it's like, you got to do that work just because you showed up to a gig like once. You're like, why don't they book me more? Like, cause someone else is showing up more and putting in more time. Mm-hmm. That's the answer. Put in the work. Nobody likes to hear that. I guess that makes me like anti-female, but, uh, for guys and girls, you know, put it. Nobody wants to hear that. And nobody wants to tell you that because we're all putting in the work. So go write your own screenplay. No, nothing is owed to you. That's for goddamn sure. Or you might feel that it is, but they're not going to give it to you, as I found out. Oh. Mona Ash. I think this is funny. Don't have a question, but must give my compliment to the attention to detail. The scene where you confront the guy to tell the truth. I couldn't help noticing that although you still looked very cute, you had a messy ponytail. I love that. I'm so tired of seeing films that the lead female is always in perfect hair and makeup at the end of the day, even if she had to run down a mountain on fire and escape a dinosaur on whatever. Very realistic okay, details. It wasn't intentional. Just had bad hair. Thank you so much <laughs> for pointing that out. I don't 
know. No, I, think I don't know. Something about having the messy ponytail also speaks to Who the movie I am. doesn't feel no, the movie doesn't feel homemade, but again, it feels like everyone put like like it feels real. It feels yeah. a shade away from reality, which I think is again why it's connecting and why people are sharing their own stories with you. Yeah, we kept the makeup very natural, even though Margaret was Margaret is kind of like an eccentric dresser in real life, even though she has way better style than Margot does. Yeah. Those were very natural choices. Like the bike shorts with the tie-dye, like it worked. And her outfit, like I wanted my outfits to be not scene stealers. Like just they're there, they're clothing me. You kind of get tonally who she is. Mm -hmm. I'm a very low maintenance makeup person. I wanted that. Low maintenance hair. I also hate getting my hair done. So I'm like, how how much fake hair can we put in to be done with it? very upset. Just have so little and then they pull at it and it breaks. Liz Merrill underscore seven. Hello to everyone in the pod squad. My question is, do you have your own version of a fuck you billboard? Something that you see that constantly reminds you of your failures. If so, what have you done to fix it or work through the feeling? I mean, oh God, you hate yeah. certain billboards that are in Los Angeles. I mean, I not you don't hate what's on them. You just hate certain locations of billboards. Well, if I don't get them, sometimes so, I get yeah. them for various things. You know, I think everything can serve as a reminder that you're not where you want to be or it can serve as inspiration. Mm. And you know, eventually you just get so tired of it that you stop looking. And that's a good thing too. You know, you can look at every actor and every movie and every gig and be like, oh, that wasn't me. Or you can just fucking let it go and go write your own movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, this movie was written while I wasn't being given any parts, any breaks, endless generals, endless like, oh my God, we're obsessed with you. And you're like, cool, I don't have a show. Say, say what a general is. A general meeting is when someone just wants to meet you or your team just wants you to meet like an executive or a producer. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they have ideas, sometimes they don't, but it, it, it's a bit of a hand job. It's like a little bit of a petting zoo mm-hmm. because they want to say they met you just in case you say something great. But I, some, but you know, the general with Paul Burnham yielded me this movie. So you really never know till you go. Mm-hmm. You got to take every swing. A. Olson. Hi, Eliza. Emily. Sweet baby girl and all. Longtime Hi. fan. So excited to see you in Madison. My oh, boyfriend and I, I loved, loved the movie. You have you to respond. Madison? You love talking right through. I You're just like, want to get, get the through. question out. No, this is a call and response. Now they won't hear how much I so love Madison. So excited to see you in oh Madison. Oh my God. I was setting you back up for it. So excited to see you in Madison. You are so pink right now because I think you're a little turned on that I'm angry. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's all come down to. Oh, God. That's why I'm always like, please, can we record the podcast? I have no thoughts on Madison. Move on. You don't get them. Sweet, sweet thoughts. Say to this nice person no. what you like about Madison. Fuck you, Emily. <laughs> Is Madison on your coffee I'm so map? aggressive. No, I'm not talking about it now. I feel shy. I'm so sorry, A. Olson, that you don't get to hear about Madison. We've said it enough that it's probably trending. Please confront Eliza at the meet and greet about don't this egregious me. error. My boyfriend and I loved the movie, fabulous in every aspect. My question relates to a conversation my boyfriend and I had prior to watching. So while we were cooking dinner before watching Good on Paper, I love that they made a whole evening of it. I love that too. I mentioned how I was so excited for you and your accomplishment of getting to write and star in your own movie. It's so sweet. Madison, what's her name? Aslan Olsen. A. Olsen. Ashley Olsen. (gasps) Probably Ashley Olsen. Probably related. Probably Ashley Olsen and whatever hotel air she's currently dating. So 
I had to admit how I was feeling guilty because I didn't want everyone to suddenly jump on the Eliza fan train. You know the feeling of, well, I was a fan before XYZ. It's so silly, but I feel like it's super common. My question, finally, is have you ever felt like that with anything? Something you have no claim to, yet you feel like it's yours? I hope that all made sense. Keep doing what you're doing. I promise I won't get jealous of all your new fans. They're lucky to have found you. You know what? But they'll never have what we had. They'll And I don't know when you became a fan. Like, they'll never have the years with Blanche. Mm. They'll never... I hope that people still make gifts. I understand if we're done with that, but like they'll never have been a part of that or the party goblin phase or the fried shrimp. I feel left out when people say PR to you. Yeah. I was never part. I liked you after that. My web show. So I think it goes in different phases. The good news is like, I'm never going to change. Like no matter. And like, by the way, this movie could be it. And and then I think it's going to be huge. And then I'm just like, I guess nothing happened. But the older you become, the more successful you become when you're older, the less likely you are to become a giant asshole. <laughs> Sometimes you're 21 and you become a billionaire. Like, yeah, you might be a dick, but like seldom does like someone get a break at around 40 and then they're like, don't look me in the eye. Uh-huh. So I understand that. Um, I am a big fan, but I can't say I feel the exact same way, but I remember seeing Bruno Mars with- was You it? love Bruno Mars so I, much. <laughs> Bruno Mars is- I don't- I couldn't care about someone less. He's deeply talented, sexual, and he's been with his girlfriend for like 13 years, which is like a cool flex. But anyways, he's like James Brown, Michael Jackson level talented. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I don't know why I like, I just love watching him perform. Love, I feel like every other day you're like, Bruno Mars. I'm watching a Bruno Mars video. (laughs) I just think he's great. Um, I don't, I don't really like even own any of the albums. I just think he is the consummate performer. Like, you know, how you drop everything to watch Shawshank Redemption if it's on TV. That's how I feel about a Bruno Mars YouTube clip. And I saw him, I was invited to the VH1 Do Something Awards, which was like a made up award show forever ago hmm. when I was like 25 or 26. And he was there with, is it Travis McCoy? That is a person. Who sang the like, what up, Oprah? Oh. Every time I close my- That yeah, song. Yeah, the like, yeah. And I remember watching it, like no disrespect to Travis McCoy, but like- doing the gestures of like, close my eyes and you put your hands over Trabby your eyes. Travi McCoy, excuse Whatever. you. Whatever, cool. I see, like he would like, not sign language, but like act out with his hands every word. And I was like, cool. And I remember the the boyfriend I was with at the time, Bruno Mars was in the background and Travis McCoy's in the front, but Bruno Mars is the one singing. He's playing the guitar. And this is pejorative, but I'm just going to say what he said. He goes, you see that little guy? He was Canadian. That little guy in the back, he's the real star. He's going to be huge. That's a thing guys do about height. But like, I remember seeing Bruno Mars and being like, fuck, like that guy's the one I'm looking at, not the guy in the front. Anyway. Yeah. I feel that way about small pools. They're going to get big. And then I'll be like, what about me? Some music. Trying to think of like cool things. Sour Patch Kids. I was eating those way before they had an Instagram account. (laughs) A lot of things. I'm usually the arbiter of cool things. Uh, Again, big grandma sunglasses. I was wearing those in high school and then Nicole Richie started doing it and made it big. I was doing that ironically on my own before. Mm. I have other things like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you find this like thing and you're like, I hope nobody else, like this is my thing. And then I feel like Maroon 5 fans feel that way. <laughs> they blew up. Anyway, I get it, but stick with me. Yeah. I'm right here for you. And my podcast does okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not going anywhere. KJ McCartney has a very specific question. 
was it difficult not to break in scenes with the character Leslie, played by Beth Dover? Now, I love Beth Dover, and I was very excited when you cast her. She did a great job. was actually in the show Burning Love with Ryan Hansen. Okay. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> but were there times during the movie where it was hard? Like, was it one of those situations? Are there going to be, oh, someone asks, is there going to be like bloopers? Are there outtakes? Like, were there times where it was hard to keep a straight face or because you've lived this story, it was kind of easier to. You know, we made this movie in like 2019. So mm-hmm. it's actually very difficult to remember. I also feel like because it was my story and I was the star of it, you know, you're, you're, constantly thinking about like, okay, we got to do this scene and it's hot. I got to have lunch. We got to do the next scene. So really, I really respected how professional everyone was. Mm -hmm. Like if somebody added a line or something there, it was in the moment, in the scene, we weren't goofing around. We weren't doing like alt takes, like nobody fucked around. I remember her doing such a good job with that gothic character. Um, And she came out, I think, I don't know if I, I actually don't remember if I had written this or she said it and she comes out, she's like, oh my God, it's, and that was a tough thing to times you could still hear it, but she just, all of her little mannerisms and her little like stares, those were all her. Yeah. I don't think we ever broke character, but if we did, I think other people are just like, okay, back in character, let's go. <laughs> we have work to do. Yeah. So it was like fun, but like everybody, everybody wants to go home. Uh, especially I think on a movie with a shoestring budget, it's like re- everything costs money. Every yes. moment that you're there costs money. And we all want to eat lunch. Yeah. I would eat so many grape nuts. I would have like four bowls of grape nuts a day. You had good spreads. And then at the end, you guys got a, like a truck with like coffee and donuts and ice oh, yes. cream. We got that for the crew. For the crew. As a thank you. And I drove over. I think I had just seen, I was the only person in the theater for Naomi Watts, The Wolf Hour. Okay. And okay. then I drove over to be with you for your- I don't want to hear the rest of this. Why do you always have to wedge in like this other thing? This is about the coffee truck and it was a Brazilian coffee truck and they would do a tushy out of foam in your coffee. And it would make it shake. I was just My Serena Halstead. Sure. <laughs> She's such a good actress. She's so good. LV Webbs. Highlights Emily Chamfu, Gracie Lou Freebush. Love her name and spell and AIA crew. I loved Good on Paper. And mm. I am so pumped and impressed by every project Eliza creates. I'm an undergrad working towards a career in TV production. So I'm really interested to learn about the writing and production process for the film. I recall Eliza mentioning that this film was six years in the making. Did you begin the writing process for the film six years ago? Or were you pitching the idea first before writing the script? Additionally, which character was the most difficult to cast, if any? I've been listening to every episode of your podcast for over a year and a half now, and I agree with the listeners from a few episodes ago who said this is the best podcast on the internet. Love you guys. Right? Thank you, Mom. Thank you. Uh, okay, so the story happened 2013. I met this person. Let's do the math. Okay. I met this person when I was 29. And I remember that because my 30th birthday, I spent it in Dallas with my best friend, Michelle. And I had a boyfriend, but Dennis Kelly sent me a bucket of champagne Mm. to my hotel room. So I turned 30 and he and I were friends. My 31st birthday, are you doing the math? I'm just trying to My 31st birthday was the one that he was like, I'll pay for it. And then he didn't. And then we broke up soon after. Yeah. So I had, so I was 31. So that, I think, I think that puts it around 2015. When you started writing it or thinking uh, about turning it into something? when, When we like ended it and then whatever. And then I probably started chipping away at it. And it wasn't until, so I started writing it. And then it wasn't until 2017 that I met Paul Burnin. Well, wait. Where do we factor in? You told the story. Right. On TV. On TV. You'd so have to look at that up the point, clip. Not necessarily, I don't need the timing, but like 
at that point, were you thinking about it becoming a movie or no, you were just I can't like, oh, remember. here's a story to tell? I can't remember. Okay. Um, I can't remember. Okay. But- so, so you told the story and then and then later you were writing the script. Or, or I was writing it and I told the story. Like, okay. you know, you can do the two simultaneously. Yeah. But I definitely have, I was definitely writing it when I was on set for Instant Family. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting in my condo writing it. Mm-hmm. And that's the condo I own like a couple houses ago. So what? Yeah, the condo was way before you taped Instant Family. So you'd been yeah. writing it for a while. I've been working yeah, on yeah, it, yeah. just chipping away. Mm-hmm. 2007, I met Paul Burnin. Months later, got with his producer who eventually left the project. But she and I went back and forth on different drafts. I remember giving her, that's what it was. I gave her a draft I had. Mm. And she took out, she didn't, and good person, but like creatively, I think I ended up going back. She- didn't want the stand-up and the narrative and the voiceover. So that was going back. And then when I met Kimmy, we put it all back in. Then we screened it. We thought we took it out, whatever. A lot of back and forth. So, you know, we'll call it from like 2015 to 2019. From like the nascent stage all the way to the execution. Um, Well, lost funding for it the day we were shooting Unveiled in Nashville. Got a phone call. My reps were like, it's okay. She doesn't have feelings. We'll just let her know we've lost funding. Uh, now, if you could go do a comedy performance. Yeah, when you taped your special. But but speaking of the screening, I don't think you've talked about the fact that you did a small screening for fans. Rotten pizza. Oh, that, uh, I thought you meant the friend one at our house. Oh, no. like you. So you did a friend at your house, but then you did one because, you know, you have that number that people can text you on where you share like yes, important community. updates, like texts, uh, like um, tickets for sale, et cetera. And Should people that were that in now? the- by the way, I'll put it in the in the notes so you don't it. have to because say it and then they're gonna hear it and they're gonna write it down. They can just click it in the notes. App. Just just say it. Fine. Why well, like why not do it twice? We are a part of a app called Community, which you can get exclusive texts and ticket updates from me. And sometimes I try to answer you. Uh, important to note that it's you will get these messages as text. You don't need to download anything. You don't need to. You'll just get them as text. So it's like we'll share if there's a special sale. We're share like special or a picture of Tianfu's nose. That yeah, you have to see. So the number is three two three three seven zero four four eight zero. I will also put that in the show notes. But so Why don't you put it in the show notes. What? Put it in the show notes. I said I will also put that in the show notes. So. You texted people, we we can tell on there, like people can put where they're located. So you texted people that were in the LA area and were like, hey, if you're free X date, come see a screening, come of, our see movie. A screening of our movie, like pretty early in the process. You always want feedback. Now you don't want everyone's opinion because you can Mm-mm. make a billion movies. We But prior to doing that, I invited a couple of friends that I think have good taste yeah. over to my house. And I said, please watch this and give me your brutal opinion. Yeah. And the consensus was take out the stand-up. Really? And it's tough because like, you're like, I want your opinion. I'm like, mm, I'm not going to do that. And I was yeah. like, I think it belongs. Fair. Uh, also, you did the, via community, you texted people. They yes. were the audience for your stand-up f- shows. Yes. So people um, hung out at the comedy store. You shot your- in the belly room. You shot your stand-up scenes there. All the stand-up was done in one- one day in there one day. with all volunteers and fans in the audience. So afterwards, like you hung out and took pictures with everybody. Sure. Uh, I took the pictures with your phones. If I did a bad job, I'm sorry. So if I did a bad job, I meant it. I meant it. No. Um, and that was when you also had a Hunter Hill, your opener, who yes. was going to have a bigger okay. scene. So in the movie, there's a line where the guy in the crowd heckles me. I'm like, mm-hmm. what? Because I'm strong. And then he goes, you are intimidating. Initially, we were going to show him. But Hunter, like that morning, woke up with a case of Bell's palsy. And- 
half of his face was paralyzed. Yeah. So obviously- You can't get into a fight with someone who has half their face paralyzed. The worst part is that, is that he couldn't be in my movie. No. So we had him come in, we had him yell the line, but like, we were like, it's a little distracting that your face is half paralyzed (laughs) and you can't heckle back someone who's paralyzed. So we ended up just opting to not show any of the crowd, which is fine too. But Hunter originally was going to have his big movie debut. Well, and he also is in uh, the Lines of Schlesinger sketch show in the, in, in the sea sketch. In the the, uh, mystery at sea sketch is one of my favorites. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so fans were involved in the- the Labor of love. Fans were, they made up my audience for that for that mm-hmm. scene. Well, and I think it's interesting to note that for the stand-up, it's something that you've pushed for for a long time because it's something that you want seen. It was just, you know, this vendetta. <laughs> like that I, I just, in pitching shows, I'm like, okay, so she's a comic, but it's about her life and her family. And they're like, well, we're, you know, the note was always like, we don't really, it's too unrelatable. And I'm like, oh, cool, but like, John Mulaney and Pete Holmes and Jerry Seinfeld and like all these other guys get to be stand-up comics. And then, you know, you get like Marvelous Miss Maisel. I'm like, okay, so we are agreed we can show a woman. And yeah. then we have Hacks, which is which is so fun. And it's like, okay, so you can show her doing it. The, the fear is always like, it's too much about stand-up. And I'm like, what about the show that was like about the comedy store? Like mm-hmm. people, like the Andrew Dice Clay one, like people- it just depends on who's pitching it. But for the longest time, I was told no. Like what I do for a living is unacceptable and only boys can show that they're on stage mm-hmm. because we're just used to that. So for me, I didn't want to make Andrea like a teacher. I didn't want to make her like a singer. Like the way that I could show, the only way that I knew on like a cellular level that you can be successful but not be super famous and still do this and still have a job that you're perceived a certain way was to make her a stand-up. Um, and so I just did. Something to yeah. be said for making it yourself is you can take those risks and looky, looky, it paid off. It did. Yeah. So we got to go into Top of the Cob. We got so many good questions. Guys, if you have relations, I mean, does you want to do? Well, you can ask a couple of good ones. Well, okay. Who says it's got to be an hour? Who makes these rules? I thought you, had, you wanted to go I do want to take a nap. So what? Okay. okay. Hot to try. Wendy Sparks 70. Hi, Liz and Emily. I loved the movie. When I was watching, I actually asked my husband if he had ever tried the made-up whiskey before I knew it was made up. Oh, my God. That's Later, I heard you mention the name was Liar in Gaelic. My question is, was this the relationship that made you put the no roommates rule in place for dating? That's very funny. Okay, so for those of you that don't know, in the movie, he has a whiskey he loves called Briac. And uh, it was just a word I looked up. I was like, I wonder what Gaelic for liar is. It's either Gaelic or Scots or something. I'm pretty sure it's Gaelic. Um, so we made up our own. We had a label made by art department. That's a little bit of foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Um, the no roommates had nothing to do with him. That had to do with like, I'm a woman who's successful. I don't want to spend the night at your house and like have to tiptoe around a bunch of dudes like I'm at a frat house. Yeah. Like I'm like in my 30s. So that was that. It's just wanting to find someone at a similar level to me. Yeah. And in the end, Noah did have roommates, but they lived in a house. And when he explained to me, he's like, I could live alone. That's all you want to make. You want to make sure that the guy that you like is has the financial means to be on his own. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, it's gonna have, you're going to have some uncomfortable conversations about money. And when he explained like, yeah, I just work late hours and it's nice to see my friends when I get home and we all have like family dinners. I was like, that is so cute. And we are so drunk now that we're several hours into this date. You should get married. 
underscore Slim Thick loved the movie. Slim Thick. Excuse you. <laughs> the flight attendant, did the flight attendant really give you the whole bottle of crane apple? That's the only question I had at the end of the movie. Hilarious. No. <laughs> no one's ever had a problem. With, I used to like love to order cranberry juice and crane apple juice. I had a whole joke, but you can only get crane apple on flights. Uh, no, but we thought that was a funny moment to put in. Yeah. A little rivalry between me and that flight attendant. <laughs> A lot of people asked if any previously mentioned legal troubles were this. And I want to reiterate anything in the courtroom did not happen. There was this, we did not, we did not, to even say we didn't kidnap him makes it sound like we kidnapped him in the movie. But I was very specific when you watch the movie and look, the fact that I have to say, maybe I didn't do the best job. The lawyer gives the definition of torture. He's like deliberately inflicting harm, but we didn't. Like I was very specific about the way we did that scene yeah. because what he's accusing her of and what she did are different things. Yeah. She did not torture him. Yeah. She's trying to help him the whole time. They didn't mm-hmm. mean to, it is an accident. The door shut, you know, he did pass out. They were trying to get him to sit up straight. And at the end, she's like, you could have untied yourself. Like they didn't, they tied him to sit up straight, but they weren't tying him up to restrain him. Mm-hmm. And Kimmy was actually very mindful when I hit him, like when I'm angry at him. Yeah, She's like, you can't go off on him if we think he's tied up, which I'm like, fucking who cares? But okay, I see what you're saying. So she was very egalitarian in that. Like, so the most I do is like kick him in the shin. Mm -hmm. So like, if that upsets you, then you're like a weird men's rights activist. Right. Um, But we were very careful about that court scene and I didn't want anyone to come out of it. Vindicated is one thing, but like really winning. Like he couldn't win, but she also like couldn't really win because everybody loses in this scenario. Mm-hmm. So the billboard, she got on her own. I think restraining order is fair because they're sticky optics. Yeah, kick it. Yeah, kick it. Rosie underscore Lindgren. Loved the movie. Was not expecting to feel the heartbreak of your character as oh, much. Rosie. Can relate. How did you get past that kind of betrayal in real life? Now, just quickly, a lot of people have asked questions about, you know, was it cathartic? Like, yeah. was it hard? Was it hard to get down on paper? So what was that like for you? I will give you my honest, very still answer. It was horrific. Because here I was, like, just living my life. Like, building a career in comedy. Dating. You know, you're just in LA. You're just not hurting anyone. Making your own mistakes. making Having your own triumphs, your own wins. Paying for everything in my life building everything on my own piece by piece. And it, it, it was so undeserved. Mm-hmm. And I, this story, like even Dirty John hadn't come out yet. So this is not something that I ever heard about happening to someone. And this is a guy who I had, like my family had met him. Like mm-hmm. my dad, like we had dinner together. So part of me was like, of course, as a daughter, like how come my dad didn't suss this out? But also dad's probably just like, well, I want her new boyfriend to... I want her to know that I support whatever, support her. And my friends have met him. But again, these were all very much on my terms. Going out with my friends, doing what I want to do, which is a big part of my life now just because my schedule is so erratic. And so it was so undeserved. And I just remember when I found out that he had lied about the mom with cancer thing, I remember coming home. I remember calling my friend Michael. I was going to say the last name, but you don't even know the last name. My friend of mine. And just scream crying you know, like leaning on the friends that were like, just really leaning on my friends, male and female. Mm-hmm. And because it's just, nobody could wrap their mind around it. And I just collapsed on the couch. I slept for like 12 to 15 hours. 
and just feeling in a daze and a little angry. Like I'm like a very, not fiery person, but sad because you, you're like, what a fucking shame. What a shame because as I've said before, all the things that I liked about this person were the things they didn't lie about. Mm -hmm. You can't lie about the way you treat someone. You can't lie about intelligence. You can't lie about a sense of humor. Right. And I remember thinking, what a fucking shame. And you also, especially at that age, so you're in your early 30s, you know, you get yourself to a place where you like them and you start envisioning like a life with them. So then Mm -hmm. you feel stupid, which every girl has done where you're like, you pictured what it would be like. And that's always the hardest because you're mourning the death of a relationship that you never had, which is why breakups are so tough especially at the beginning if someone like ghosts you because you never had a chance for it to get bad. So you only had the good stuff. Mm-hmm. We only had fun together and this possibility of being this odd couple. And yeah. so I, I remember there was like two and I, I can't remember the timeline, but like being very honest with both of the guys that I dated subsequently and just saying, I remember having, I remember sitting in the kitchen of my condo and crying to a guy who went on to be my boyfriend who was nothing but kind who was nothing but sweet and just, he's like, I, you know, I want you to be my girlfriend. And I was like, I don't think I can do that with someone right now. Yeah. Just being incredibly open because I made this clear decision. I was like, I will not pay this forward. I will not spend my life suspicious. I will never, it's not about not letting people in. Like I'd been fine thus far. It was a freak thing that happened, mm-hmm. you know? So, and I typically, I had never been like online dating. Like I'd only dated like, people that I knew through other people. So it always been like pretty safe. I wasn't a huge dater anyway, despite all the jokes that I have about it. Um, and I just remember being really honest. I was like, I'm just not like mental. I'm like a little shaken. Mm-hmm. And that sort of led to, you know, you date off and on for a little bit. And then that led to like just sort of a, a selfish period. I talked about this in Girl Logic a little bit where I was like, you know what? I've been put through the ringer and I'm tired. And your whole life as a woman, you're taught like, you don't want, just act like you don't want a man, but you secretly do. And I was like, you know what? I actually don't right now. I only want to do what I want to do. And whether that's date two guys at once, whether that's make out and not have sex, whether that's take myself on a trip, do whatever the fuck I want. I did that. And I believe that that was a good thing. I believe all girls should go through that. Not as a way to say to the universe, like, look, I'm being independent. Send me a guy. Like I was like, I'm just going to fucking relax, Uh give myself a break. And uh, I just decided to heal myself and I made the decision I would not pay that forward. Mm-hmm. It's, it, was the, it was an empowering thing to do. I'm like, I will not let this form who I am. And I continue to be a very honest person for better or for worse because I like me. And it's sad that he didn't like him. Cajun girl, not a question. Just want to tell you that my husband and I watched it tight. We both caught those new balance shorts and laughed when you know, you know. <laughs> you know, you know for deep fans. But when we were making the Elijah Schlesinger sketch show, I went on a rant about how there's no good shorts. And I found me a pair of net meshless, new balance, pocketless running shorts. And uh, I brought them for the movie. Why make someone dress you if you have your own things? <laughs> so yeah, they're in the movie. Nessie the fire demon, what made you give Andrea the character trait of making fart mouth noises to show her immaturity or curious no. about how you rounded out the characters to make them more abstract? Okay, you're That's talking about you. in the opening- when she's in the fake refrigerator and she knocks and she goes, I'm f- I am farted? Is that what you're talking about? I, they said fart mouth noises. Oh, like, yeah. Just you just do that. You That's just funny. like that. It's funny to everyone. Yeah. Not everything needs like a witty retort. Sometimes it's just like, 
I'm done. Mm-hmm. Everybody, knows. it's the international sign for I'm done. All right, well, I'll ask one more question. Sweet. Wait, can um, I just say one thing yeah. about the I farted? In the op- I didn't realize until someone said it. In the opening credits, you know, Andrea's, she's going around, she's at her shows. And in real life, Hunter and I were backstage and I put myself in a mini fridge. And when he came in, I'm in the mini fridge and I knock on it. And I'm like, I put my mouth on the glass and I mouth and I said, I farted like in the mini fridge. I didn't think about the fact that people would have subtitles on. So it just looks like a cute thing. But when you put the subtitles on, it's me going, I farted, which I did in the mini fridge. (laughs) Tanisha Fagwani. This movie is a peek into my own life. I recently went through a times 10 of what you did. Just add severe cheating and gaslighting. Have you forgiven him? Have you made peace because he's probably a sociopath? That's interesting. I never think about forgiveness because that involves thinking about the other person at all. Mm. I guess I have more just moved on evolution-wise and artistically. You know, I think at a certain point, it's like a choice to hold on to it. And however, you have to make peace with something, whether it's forgiveness or closure or a letter, But I took from this what I believe the universe's intention was, which was to create art out of it. Mm -hmm. And I actually have a very short memory for pain, like arguments, like I'm done in like a second. Like that hurt, it was bad. But as a healthy person, like I just moved through it. And there's no, I don't like think people, like I have a more of a radar when I hear other people's stories, like podcast people write it. I'm like, the guy's lying, he's got a family, whatever. But like I'm married safely. I have like a good group of friends. Like this isn't something that I've like taken with me and I've like applied to other people. So I think if anything, it was a test to see if you could become embittered and I didn't. Mm-hmm. But um, it's beyond forgiveness and reconciliation. It's just, I don't think about this person. And I think of them as a caricature. Yeah. Like as a deeply sad, flawed, jealous caricature of a human. Yeah. This isn't like a hurt you still carry, These right? are Yeah, and these are not powerful people who do this. These are like shells of people who if you just, one chink in the armor, they all, you know, one Achilles heel swipe, one small thing and everything falls down. House of cards. So just remember that you have more power than you give yourself credit for. Okay. Well, thank you for all of your good on paper questions. Now I want to hear, guys, if you have similar stories you want advice on, you can keep submitting those. Uh, but let's do some top of the cob. It's the top of the cob. We're doing it right every day. You just take a bite. Top of the cob. Mine is themed. Is yours? Mine is sort of themed. Okay. My one's podcast theme. My bottom of the cob has nothing to do with this as much as, okay, fine, what? I thought you were going to say it has to do with this, what we're doing right now. Your That's the podcast. Me. No. Doing this podcast. Uh, I, Joe Rogan had me on um, to talk about the movie, which was cool. Got a lot of his fans now. My fans now. And people were like, I fucking hate you for chewing in the microphone. First of all, oh. we weren't like, the granted, more people weren't listening like 10 Why years ago. You- people are obsessed with their like issues with, however, I was nauseous and I took a bite of something and I was very careful to chew it away from the mic. And apparently this like wrecked people's lives. Get over yourselves. It was two bites of an RX bar. You, you just pull your ear away from the mic. I didn't mean to do it. And it was and it was a bite. And he said I could. They could have edited out. They didn't. So write them a letter. Fucking get over yourself. You go. My bottom, I need to say after my topper, it sounds mean. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I can say my top. I'll allow it. Okay. 
So my top is, was getting to watch Good on Paper on Netflix. Like just pull it up, you know, cause like I watch your stuff like on my laptop, like with you, like in your, but just getting to like pull up my little Alexa, go to it, open it, just have it play. Like in Netflix, it's real. And like, yeah, your specials are real. But by the time your specials come out, I've seen some iteration of them before. Like this, I had been been part of for the movie. I had been there on set and stuff, but Mm -hmm. like I hadn't seen it all the way through. And so it was like very cool to sit down just by myself and watch it. Now my bottom is that every, every single app, every single like Amazon, Hulu, Netflix, Tubi, my TV. It's just like, they're like, you should watch it. It's a family. You should watch this. I'm like, I don't shop. Show me Eliza. I'm trying to, Please. I'm off of work now. Keep Leave me it. alone. They're like Eliza. a commercial of you on Crank Anchors, a commercial. And I'm like, stop. It's actually such I'm a small world of content. Live. But I feel like I get every time you do anything, mm-hmm. like the commercials are served to me. Yeah, I'm in and your I'm blood. Like, and the homepage of all of my streaming services, if you have it, it's like, that hey, have you watched this Eliza thing? I'm like, I have. Please stop but have talking you? to me about it. But have you? Yes. <laughs> have you celebrated my entire catalog? Yes, and I want um, them to stop. When I'm at home, I'm on my time. Okay. It's really my time, but okay. Um, My top of the cob is uh, this movie being in the top 10 for two weeks. Very exciting. Top three movies in Netflix in the US and top 10 content. Hmm. Um, And then people watching that baby deer face show. Talk about it. My top of the cob, honestly, is just the fact that something I I did finally, I finally got it over the line. (laughs) I'm not even, it's not even about like not being proud or enjoying it, but like, you know, you make like even elder millennial at the time, like, yeah, it hit really hard, but like we couldn't get the press we wanted for it. Um, there's this weird punishment for being consistently good. <laughs> like that they're like, yeah, you're not special. You're not unique. Like, thanks for this, you know? And what you do get from it is new fans and the ability to tour, but like wanting that recognition of people in mass seeing something is something that you really crave. I'm just being completely honest as an artist and you build so much of it for yourself, making your own campaigns and fan outreach and building what you can, but to finally get like a little bit of that load lifted and have other people write about it and other people like it and fans and people to confirm that is just so incredibly affirming and gratifying as an artist. And I have you guys to thank for that. Yeah. So thank you. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Cool ending. Everything I've said has been heartfelt and you're just looking at me with like black shark eyes. What are you doing? In the middle of a podcast, what are you doing? What do you need? What do you, you're I just said something and you're like, cool. Keep it loose. You said I have black shark eyes. Because you're not giving me anything. I just said something and you can be like, yeah, I second. And say you're just like, okay. You got to respond. say too many words and tell you about Wolf Hour, you tell me to stop and not shoehorn in my interest. It's a delicate balance that you have to maintain. If I say more than two words, you're not interested. Because so I just keep it. Yeah, more than two words about like Naomi Watts and like Nicole Kidman in a 69 twosome. I'm good. Freak. Delicate ecosystem, my feces. What am I supposed to say? I'm grateful for you. No, I don't think so. Are you going to cry? No. What does that look? I don't know what I'm supposed to say to you. We're thankful for people that listen to the podcast and watch the movie. And we got a lot of questions and we didn't get to them all, but some of your questions were bad. (laughs) 
Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are.